Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, back here on the Ohio Wind Podcast. I'm here with Brandon. Uh, Brandon, we haven't recorded for a couple days. It seemed like all proverbial hell broke loose in the Ohio Statehouse. Um, you know, the NIL bill, which, you know, I, I guess if you're not a huge college sports fan, you might say, well, does this really mean a lot? But it is kind of meaningful for college sports. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Um, college sports makes a ton of money, especially when you look at uh, college football broadcast deals, college basketball broadcast deals. And, yeah, if you get a scholarship, that is some type of payment, but the proportionality is way out of whack uh, compared to the billions that, you know, the colleges make. And when you look at it, there are – some players that go right on to a career of millions and millions of dollars. So players are almost like, why in essence are we paying playing, you know, playing for very little when we could get more money last week, they were trying to pass the NIL bill because states across the country are trying to pass it. And at the last second, uh, a group of Republicans kind of got up and said, Hey, you know, we're going to attach a transgender ban. Uh, they didn't want, um, tra- you know, boys that transition to girls be able to play in high school and college sports. That kind of made the NIL bill a little bit hesitant. I may not pass, but Governor Mike DeWine uh, stepped in yesterday. He signed an executive order, and the NIL bill is there. My goodness, I, I feel like I've said a mouthful just explaining what was happening. Um, Brandon, I mean, you're not a huge college sports guy. I'm not either. Why should we care about the NIL bill, you think? Um, well, you know, I think, you know, change, a lot has changed in college athletics oh, probably over several, several, several decades or so. And I think, you know, you know, it's, it's pretty bad when the NCAA loses to, loses unanimously to the Supreme Court yeah. uh, on this issue. Um, just kind of like for from the court's perspective you know the kind of the definition of amateurism has kind of changed and it's like well is this really considered amateur sports or whatnot um but at the end of the day you're right just the idea that we have these kids who are playing for you know they're coming here to play uh sports for their colleges and yeah they get some get scholarships to play um but the universities have been making a lot of money off of it for years. Um, just like, you know, with all the jersey sell, jersey sales or whatnot. Um, and, you know, you know, these athletes never really had a pathway to get revenue from, from that. So 
it, it was it's a change that was long overdue I think um, and um, especially when um, you know I mean it's like that percentage of how many go from collegiate athletics to professionals um, depending on the type of ath uh, sport in question or whatnot so um, but yeah definitely definitely necessary I think it's overdue and um, um, the way we do sports in America is dumb anyway but Right. That's a whole different can of worms. It's it's designed to make make profit off of the little guy for the big guy, and um, it doesn't really come. It comes at the expense of every person in America. Like um, in terms of just making sports, doing sport, a sport or whatnot accessible. I mean, and in terms of development, and it's like, hey, no wonder why we have childhood obesity problems over the years. So good golly, I hope. It will. This will open open the Pandora's box for better reforms in the future. Well, and explain this to my wife. You know, she's like, so why? I mean, what? And I, I can understand if you're not a big college sports fan. I understand where you're like, why pay these players? But again, you know, it just goes back to when you're making tons of money and you're just saying, hey, you know, athlete that could be making millions in a couple of years in professional sports, we're just going to give you a scholarship and you're going to like it. I mean. If we go back 30 years ago when there wasn't a ton of money in broadcast rights, maybe that was fair. Now, it's just it's getting ridiculous. It's getting way off whack. And I'll be honest, if I had a kid that was a good college athlete, he blows his leg out. I mean, he could be losing millions down the road. And, yeah, a college scholarship is something. I'm not discounting that. I mean, I wish I had a full ride when I was in college. But, again, comparison to monies. And you might say, and, and Brent, you're right. Sports is kind of dumb the way we treat it, but that's why we're paying, you know, what is it, you know, 30, 40 bucks for a game that we go to. It's why we're paying a lot for a cable or streaming service. It, you know, it, it's why when you go to the movie, the movie's 10, 12 bucks. You know, it's because we hold these people in high regard. And, you, you know, and I understand the athletes coming back and saying, hey, you know, we need to profit because everybody else is profiting. So. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I wanted to mention, and I'm like, I'm the, the transgender, you know, bill. Um, you know, there is a discussion out there by saying, man, if you know, boys transgender into girls, they're going to just destroy the competition and everything. Brent, I see a, a lot of issues with that bill, but first of all. Has there ever been a study, and I'm asking this because I don't think there has been, yeah, there are transgender people out there, from adults to children and everything, but the whole bill is kind of insinuating that there's a wide swarm of boys out there that are saying, man, let's transgender just so we can clean up in girls' athletics. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that has done that or has transitioned and wanted to play girls' sports, but... I would imagine that you can count those on one hand. I mean, the way this bill is written, it almost makes it sound like, oh, man, half the boys are going to transition to girls so they can play sports. I, I don't understand what the thought process is by doing this. I mean, it makes it sound like it's a much bigger problem than it really is. Yeah, partly partly because it's, um, well, the first issue with the whole, with in terms of the bill was that it was just a, it's it's the thing I hate about politics, you know. It's just like they it's trying to it's trying to slough or put something sneak something of another topic into a bill, um, 
that has no business being in it. You're just putting it. It's like you're you're kind of poisoning the chalice, um, and saying, "Hey, take the chalice or or go home." Um, and when when clearly, you know, you see, I see. There's no, <laughs> I you know, you're playing pol. You're basically playing politics with something very popular, um, and by and then tainting it with something that's controversial. But um, so I always I always hate that when that happens. It just it's like can we just be straightforward about our politics for once, people, please? But you know that's not how the world works. Um, as far as the issue itself goes, I mean the um, um, you know um, I think personally you're you're right. This seems like it's for the amount of transgender athletes we have, and for the fact that I have not even seen one trans heard of one transgender superstar or like. Oh yeah, this guy smoked this, or excuse me, this uh, transgender girl had smoked the competition or whatever. I mean, even if she did, I I'm I don't I don't I I'm not I'm not seeing this as like some sort of outrage from parents or whatnot. I just feel my I think I think that um, it's just you know this is the latest development in the culture wars of in America. Um, it's strange. It's kind of strange. It's, it feels like it, it feels like uh, you know. Those in opposing transgender athletes pe competing in athletics are just going down the LGBTQ alphabet just to find out who to protest against next after they kind of lost the lost a lot of ground in gay marriage rights uh, wars or uh, um, so um, it's happening all across the country. Um, transgender issues kind of been came up during the Trump years with particularly with military services. Um, because in somehow people are still struggling with the concept of what's the difference between sex and gender, and um, just kind of being tribal about it. But now they're being tribal, like, oh, women, we want pure women. Oh, men, pure men. It's uh, and also, so I think it's um, that's kind of like why it's an easy thing to exploit politically. Well, yeah, I think there's a difference too. I think you know people may have moral convictions, and that's fine. And I think we need to protect a moral conviction in our country. If someone says, "I don't agree with this," okay, you you have the right to not agree with it. But you know, I even look at issues like transgender rights or gay rights or anything else. If you're going to say we need to restrict something, you almost need to say. My goodness, if we have gay rights and everybody's insurance is going to triple because, man, look at all the uh, strain that's on the system. I mean, there's no arguments like that. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand if you say, hey, we need to restrict something. We need to say, hey, here's the big problem it's going to, you know, cause if this doesn't get stopped. There's nothing to that point. And, you know, like I was saying with this transgender thing, I mean, how many people is this even affecting? And I'll even go a step further. Isn't it kind of sexist when you say, hey, transgender girls can't participate in women's and girls' sports? Well, where's the language saying, hey, transgender boys can't participate in boys' sports? You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like saying, man, if these boys transition to girls, hey, they're boys, they're stronger, bigger, tougher, they'll dominate. But, man, if a girl goes to a boys' competition, oh, they're weak, they're girls, they're not going to do well. I mean, it's a sexist side here. I mean, I, I just, if you're coming at me with anything, if it's a gay rights, transgender rights, if it's any other type of bill out there, show me what the financial harm is 
Because if not, you're just projecting morality on different people on something that you may never prove to be a wrong to other people. I mean, make it make sense if you're going to have rules like this. I think you kind of hit it, touched it a little bit. What was the real issue here, Chris? Chris, it's it's long stand. Like reason, you know, we have separate competitions for men and women is just because there's like this, you know, uh, sort of to an extent that like um, that men are stronger than women. And I think part, you know, as far as I know, I'm not a scientist or anything. I think there's some validity to that. But to say that, I think to say, oh, a woman will always lose or lose or get outcompeted by a man is not always necessarily the case or that a woman can't hold, hell her, hold her own. I think, um, you know, if you go come down to the Arnold Sports Festival and check out, um, there are, you know, a lot of strong athletes here and down when they come out here to Columbus for that tournament or sports festival, um, especially in the weightlifting. And so, I think it's this. This is something that I think is really shaking people's cores. It's challenging this kind of conception. And th some people say it's the science. And really, I don't know what the science says. I mean, did we have we had studies and stuff and whatnot about this kind of thing? There's a there was a story out a few years ago from the soccer world where um, the uh, goalkeeper for the Canadians women's national team actually tried very tried hard to compete. Uh, get uh be, join the men's team she's still a woman or whatever but she wanted to join the men's team up um in her area and um the league the league declined the the, uh, the club said yeah you've you, you're meeting our standards you you know you've you've performed really well at our, at the level we want you to perform at and then the league came crush crashing down saying sorry your gender um pr uh, prevents you from competing with the men and the thing is for her she's like look i wanted better competition i'm looking for the highest level of competition i've wanted to compete with the men so i think what irks me a little bit about this ban is one is that that it puts a lot of these transgender athletes in the limbo world where they can't compete as who they think they should be and they can't compete as who they were um because there's a lot of uncomfortable there's just a lot of gray and uncomfortability with with um a transgender girl playing with boys and a transgender boy playing with girls um that happened to one transgender boy in wrestling um where he couldn't he couldn't he wasn't allowed to compete with his uh chosen gender and he couldn't compete back with the girls so because the parents were like well this is awkward he's he lo he's looks he looks like a boy <laughs> quacks like a boy um you know it's very uncomfortable for him to just wrestle with girls so um um i think that when you have policy that's going to end up where a, a small minority are excluded, I just think that's a precipice for disaster going down the future. Um, and yeah, so that's uh, that's where I'm at on that point. Well, yeah, I can understand maybe the reverse argument saying, and I'm not even talking transgender. I'm saying, uh, just imagine Brandon in high school. What if he said, "Hey, why can't I play girls basketball?" Maybe I. You know, maybe your high school girls basketball team wasn't good. Maybe you thought you could have made it, and now you're playing high school basketball. You know, here's an easy way of getting around it, and I think this would help uh, transgender athletes and everything else. Why don't we just make co-ed sports popular? So, you know, if you just want to play, if, you know, guys, if you want to try it out, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill here. You know, we're, we're just sitting here Absolutely. like, transgender sports was a big issue and 
look, we talked to Rachel Coy on this um, network about issues in the Ohio State House, and good lord, there's a billion things going on COVID related. There's, you know, we still don't have a a consistent educational funding system here in Ohio. Um, we're debating back and forth about broadband and everything. And yeah, the state house is smart enough to take on various issues at one time, but transgender in terms of the big issues in the state, no matter how, what you feel, if it's right or wrong or whatever, to me, that's like issue 50 out of 50 issues that we have right now is a huge deal. I mean, we're making too much out of something that, I mean, it's not the biggest concern right now. We're getting out of COVID. Our economy needs help. This isn't helping. You know, I mean, it's not. It's not helping anybody's rights. It's not helping anything at all. It's just let's make a mountain of a molehill. And, and you're right. I, I think the Republican Party right now has attached itself to culture wars. I think that plays well to the base. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later. Uh, former President Trump was in Ohio talking. And it's, I mean, I, I understand if it's something that gets your people excited. But when you're wasting time, it just makes you look silly down the road. So, I think it's like, uh, and that's a thought I have, is like, um, this is a clear example of a tyranny of a majority kind of deal thing for me. And that's what really aggravates me a little bit when people talk about tyranny of the majority but this is an exact clear example like if your policy is going to result in in uh, a, a, a small minority um you either make an accommodation if you don't like the way it is or to ensure that they can still have access to playing sports um or just leave it alone it's like it's it's um, a transgender um boy or a transgender girl and out competing you know your daughter or your bro or your son is in, in youth sports is not going to mean their future for such athletic excesses is, is jeopardized it just and if anything that raises the bar for girls and you know um it probably um will add a new level of 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 thinking about what sports is it's not just a physical thing it's a mental thing you know, and it's and in a lot of transgender people are going through a lot of mental struggles in the sense of trying to grapple with who they are um, as a human being. So that's another challenge for them internally. But um, I think that um, um, you know, just like the as far as what you know, how treat this, how politicians treat. I just point out like every time, every time, whenever the government, U.S. government, is like. You know, focus and putting so much energy on on uh, on on targeting a certain population, it comes back to bite them in the ass. This happened with I I would if someone came to me in two thousand four said, oh, the tide will turn on gay marriage. I thought you I would be like that's it's like I wish I would laugh them off, um, but no, that's that's happened. Um, it's it's got wide wide support now for the most part across the country. It's just kind of um, you know the same the old Booker T quote or whatnot. You know you. you if you have to hold a man down, you have to be in the ditch with him for a long time. And quite frankly, I don't want to be in a ditch, Chris. <laughs> I just want to go on with my life. Well, and, and man, we could do 10 hours on this, and obviously we don't have time to do that today. But it leads back to the question of if you have – and I'm not even talking – let's not even loop religion into this. Because if you have any type of conviction, if it's a religious conviction, if you just feel that something is wrong – you can't legislate morality because seriously, if you did, 
then every religious belief you have, you would have to legislate. And, and it just doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't work because if that's the case, then we're really putting religion all throughout the government, which I, I think you can have feelings. I think you could have, I, I, I mean, well, well, look at people who oppose abortion. I mean, yeah, they can talk about that, but if you really look at it, I, okay. Like, for example, me, I, I don't drink. I don't agree with drinking. That's just my personal belief, my personal opinion. But if I t- take that to the zenith, say if I ever became governor, if I ever became president, does that mean I need to have another prohibition outlaw drinking in America? No. There is a difference there. And I think the problem that we're having is, as a society, we're not understanding that there's a difference there. And I think that's why we're getting some of the stuff that we're getting to. And to be honest, that's why I think the culture wars are getting popular in one party, because we're not understanding that there's a difference. Just because you have a belief or thought doesn't mean you have to legislate everything for everybody. So, Yeah, we, like I said, we could talk about 10 hours of this, and I totally agree with where your where your thoughts are on it. So, But, you know, like a, I guess the high point is it's like you know, waging a culture war it doesn't end usually in victory for the most part. Um, you know, gay marriage was 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 uh, uh, was definitely not popular in '04, um, and now today every company is trying to embrace is is embra- embracing the uh, you know Pride Pride Month and putting out like oh you know 10 percent off for for Pride Month or whatever you know rainbow capitalism. It's just I'm just kind of amazed at how things have turned 180 um, on the, on that issue. I and um, even yeah, though- but I'll tell you to be honest with you, if you're on the pride side, I would be very upset because I, I've read a lot more recently. And, and again, this is just it's a perception. This isn't a belief, but I'm I'm seeing a lot more clapback against these companies where they say. All right, great. You're giving us ten percent off because of Pride Month, but you're supporting people who don't support us. You know, <laughs> where Pride Month almost becomes a marketing play. Where yeah, hey, it's Pride Month. Do do a discount for Pride Month to talk about it. But what, what are you really doing about it overall as a company? You know, it, it, it is some decent points that's being made there. Yeah, and it, like yeah, and it is like, but but I mean, but still, you got to appreciate. I mean, for them, I I would say you have to appreciate like. Just the fact that a company feels like, hey, we can. A company doesn't do anything without alienating its base. And the fact that, right. um, I mean, there's so many times in the culture wars where people feel like, oh, they're trying to take out a lot of Christianity out of Christmas um, points or or even, like, uh, just have Santa Claus kept in. And partly I think that's just because the, the Christmas has been very secularized over the years. But... Um, I think um, the fact that a company is willing to kind of embrace the the pride and its um, symbolism is just it's just like without feeling like oh we're gonna we're gonna um, spoof spoof our our um, our clientele it tells me it, that's a sign that um, the cha- country's changing. Um, well, you would never seen it 30, 40 years ago. I mean, yeah, some companies may have come out and say, "Hey, we support this," but yeah, never to the level it has today. And you know. And I'll be honest too. I mean, 
I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This morning, man, I had 20 different things going on yesterday. And they were all good things. I mean, we could sit here and talk about the fun stuff that was happening. But you have to pick and choose what you really want to care about after a while. You know what I mean, Brandon? I mean, the older we get, you know, between family, work, and everything else, you know, we can't sit here and say, oh, man, I like Pepsi, but I'm ticked because they're supporting this. I mean, you know, you got to live your life, and you can't, you know, you can't freak out everything. I don't know. I'm too busy for culture wars. I don't know about you, Brandon, but I, 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 I can't track what my company's like and don't like. I mean, you got to say, hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stop waging culture wars. They're dumb. You know, just if you want, it, 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 when it comes to culture wars, it's better to try to wage war on changing hearts rather than laws. Um, but alas, we don't have that mentality here in America, so we have to deal with this kind of nonsense at the state and federal level. So uh, I guess it's a good place to end off here on that note. <laughs> right, because we got we got things to discuss this morning. But hey, b before we go, hey, just as a, um, uh, a plug, Hey, check our sponsors. Um, I, I've been talking talked to a couple of companies. It's one of the twenty things Brandon I was uh, situating with. Uh, we're we're getting more sponsors added, but uh, we're still going to keep our sponsors. Um, Chase Bank, uh, Ashley Home Store. Check our sponsors and check our content. We are kind of we're playing around with how best to do a sponsorship. We are experimenting again with making our podcast free but if you sponsor us you can advertise more on our program so we'll have more about that later but check out all the content over the weekend craig uh craig and george talked about uh, movies about valley sports network a lot of good content there and last night we'll release this sometime today um, Paul, Joe, and I uh, talked with uh, Joey Kaufman about this NIL bill. Uh, he's an Ohio State beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. So a lot of great content out there. Check it out every day, and we'll be back shortly for another segment. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, back here on the Ohio one. It's a busy time for the State House. It's budget season, and what that means is they're trying to wrap up a budget. There's a lot of um, just stuff going on. Um, uh, you know, lawmakers um, the other day sent a new budget with a bunch of different things, the governor at the wine's desk. I know a lot of people out there are like, man, this is overwhelming. Who cares? But it matters. This is where state money is going to. Um, if you're not happy with what's happening, here's a chance that people can say something. Um, you know, $75 billion two-year spending plan. So we're, we're spending money in Ohio. Uh, Dispatch had an interesting article about some of the stuff going on, Brandon. Um, you know, we're getting a 3% income tax cut. Um, it says the minimum amount Ohioans could earn before paying any income taxes was raised to $25,000 a year. Um, and they eliminated the top income tax bracket for wealthy residents. I don't know. I, I mean... You know, obviously, a big political football is based on what the wealthy is paying for taxes. But I don't know. Let's focus more on these uh, middle wage income people like you and me, Brandon. Uh, you think a 3% income tax cut's going to help us out? Um, you know, maybe it's always a little bit of a relief in that sense. Um, but then, you, again, you know, it's... Um, um, it's... Um, there are hidden 
hidden cost, I would say, in terms of, well, you know, if you look at, it's really the biggest number you want to look at is how much revenue does, is that gonna, are they getting, slashing away? Um, you know, I think it was like, uh, let's see, oh, the budget tax cuts were uh, all totaled at $1.64 billion. And this is my my biggest peeve with, with the tax policy discussions is it's always, like, I always get annoyed when the politician says, we need to run government like a business. And I'm just like, I, uh, I just say, well, the first thing a business would not do is try to slash revenue. <laughs> um, they would not try to get rid of revenue. So if taxes are like your main source of revenue, um, you know, and um, why are you, why are you trying to get rid of your revenue? I, that, I, I always think like, I always think that's um, the dumbest thing is, you know, do, do you want to make sure how we get that revenue simplified? Uh, for um, for taxpayers, sure. I'm more for simplification and where I, the where filing your tax return is not a pain in the butt. But um, um, but I, I I would say I'm more I'm more I'm more concerned with making sure that we have the revenues to pay down debts, to pay down services and costs. Um, and I think um, um, that's. That's more my thinking anyway. If I was going to come in and run government like a business, it would be make sure like, hey, do we have the revenues needed to cover the cost of today? Will we have them for the cover the cost of tomorrow? Um, and because that's, I assure you, I don't think any business would come in and say, well, all right, I'm going to get get cut, find ways to stop getting, bringing in revenue in. And then, oh, uh, then I'm going to uh, somehow either A, keep the services I'm providing or B, um, provide them at really half-assed rate. Like at that point, the business wouldn't make much sense. You have to shut it down. Um, so I get kind of frustrated when I hear this metaphor thrown out, and then I think how we handle the approach tax policy. Well, and I think too. I, you know, I think we they struggle in communications with communicating what you get and what you don't get. What way comes to the state house, and that's why you know support local journalism. I and mean, we're looking at Columbus Dispatch article. I mean, if you live anywhere near Central High, you should have a Columbus Dispatch subscription because, hey, they've got a big staff of 12 people to try and make this simpler for you. But I would even say, even in this article, which I, I think is a good article, I I have no brand. I mean, we like streaming TV. We are subscribers for the Hulu Live TV. And I'll tell you, when we share our experiences with each other, I mean, hey, if they raise their rate, we want to say, hey, are they adding channels? Is their services good? What are we getting for the rate that we're paying? You know what I mean? And if they lower the rate, which obviously streaming services don't do that, but if you lower your rate, what are you losing? You know what I mean? Are, are you losing a channel? Are you losing uh, maybe the number of people that can watch at one time or whatever the case might be? I mean, I'm okay with an income tax cut or I'm okay with even paying a little bit more income tax if I say, hey, here's what you're getting. Hey, if they raise our income taxes by 5%, which would be a lot, but what I'm saying, if they do that, then, man, what's my benefit? What's my advantage? Does that mean my roads are going to be better? Does that mean, uh, you know, I've got more safety services? Is there, is there more money coming from my police departments? I, I wish there was more communication like that, but I don't know if they do, and I, I think we do the best we can, but it's hard for journalists to keep up. I'm, I wonder how we can do that more. Yeah, well, then that's the issue. Another issue with tax policy is just kind of like, you know, how the dollars are spent. 
um, you know, um, you know, in terms of, um, also it's intangible. Like, oh, you see, like, uh, you're getting a better deal on your tax, on like on your um, pay stub or whatnot. Um, but you're not. But it's like it's like the, I think of the time one time I had to work overtime uh, at a job in in Youngstown and um, had hit a pothole because the roads weren't paved well. But in that area it's really bad up there. Last time I was up there, but um, had to call. You know, there is a law in Ohio that says you know, hey, you're technically they're supposed to be. Um, if the pothole is called in and they still haven't fixed it, and you you got a flat tire or whatever from it, they're supposed to fix for pay for your maintenance cost. Um, but the uh, guys from the county um, engineer's office or whatever said, we have no money. We have nothing to give you to fix your car, even though we're required to do so. We, we have no money. And so it's little things like that that can make a, <laughs> a bad day. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, state, this is income, state income tax would, would make change the world, but, you know, they do, it does provide certain dollars to the um, uh, local governments too, in some ways. So, um, little things like that could 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 come back to could eat up and affect your quality of life um, without as if uh, you you don't have um, a healthy tax policy. One other quick note I wanted to make though is you know the problem I think we have overall in the larger discussions of tax policy is like the states are the states compete with each other and that drives me insane because um, it's certainly where a lot of businesses and a lot of um, corporations definitely exploit that weak point it's there when they're trying to pit one state against another and you might notice that quote from uh, the dispatches story just about well now we're the, the only other state that has a lower tax income tax rate or whatever is indiana uh and the surrounding states but really truthfully that's like a, it's a, it's a race to the bottom it's essentially like um you know you're trying to um um trying to get to the point where you you won't have um, um, having like no no real revenue coming in to cover your your your, your uh, necessities could pose problems in the future um, Texas even over the years before they there's talk about their electric grid failing they were having infrastructure problems even during like the Obama and Trump years with like roads and stuff because more people are yeah are coming to that state because the tax tax policy is good um, or low enough but when you have more people you have like you have their greater needs like roads and bridges and maintenance and that people can get seriously injured or hurt if those are not up to up to par to handle that kind of new uh, traffic um, so it's it's um, it's making sure you have enough um, um, revenue to cover the, your your absolute basic necessities at minimum. Right. So if you don't have that, you're 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 kind of flying by the seat of your pants and just kind of winging it. And then if you have a big problem, it's like that's just going to cost you more money right down the road. It's just not good physical policy for uh, from my perspective. Yeah, let us know what you're taxing us with, and hey, if it's, it ends up saving money, it's worth it. I mean, man, I had to pay oh, a ton of money because um, a road poor road conditions screwed up my car and yeah you might say crap my income taxes is going up well if i'm paying more for that to fix my car maybe that's worth it you know so less of what it is um a couple other things uh, brand i'm just gonna say something quick let me know if you agree or disagree so we can get through this um there is 
the school funding, uh, it's a temporary fix. They're trying to make it more local based in terms of monies, in terms of, you know, what these housing values are, everything. So instead of using a safe formula, it's more of a local formula. I don't know enough about to say, yep, that's going to definitely work or it's not. But I think it seems like a step in the right direction because, you know, Ohio, we're all different in terms of what the houses are worth, rural, urban areas. Some Maybe that makes more sense. I don't know if it's going to work, but, hey, I think it's worth a try. You know, uh, th- yeah, I mean, it's it does seem like they're, they can't, they've come up with a – it's strange with the two-year time limit. Um, it's like they're trying to um, – it's almost like you know we have this issue for for years you know you get you have like an injury or whatever and they finally after deciding on how to treat it oh here's a band-aid but you only get to wear it for a couple days um that's a bad metaphor but that's the one i could think off the top of my head so other than that i i um hopefully um the the what they the solution they came up with will will address it but hopefully they will if it's if it's, it is effective it's going it's not going to revert back to the old way in two years time so um that's just all that's my quick uh thoughts on it i want brush for this because if you uh you know we've had a great discussion weeks ago about abortion and you know lebanon they were trying to do outlaw abortions um you know there's a discussion from uh, abortion providers about um, you know, let's use a variance to be able to open up abortion clinic. I'm not going to have an opinion either way on that. I mean, I, I'm not in favor of abortion. I'm just saying if we're opposing this, let's stop screaming about variances and everything. Let's start providing women with answers and alternatives. I mean, I'm not supporting this, but I'm not going to yell and scream and yell culture wars on it. I'm more going to say, hey, how do we put our money where the mouth is to help offer better alternatives than just arguing about variances or not. So that's where I stand on that. Well, I, I, partly the, um, the issue is, is it's not about opening a clinic. It's about the, the existing clinics. Um, and that there's this, um, approach by the lawmakers, um, who for a long time, there's these, they're, they've been known called trap laws <clears throat> because they're designed not to necessarily, I mean, from the critics, at least their argument is they're not there to, keep make women safer they're just there to with the sole intention of shutting down these clinics um think of it as this is a thing about again from a larger political observation it's really like you know you can either do it two ways the straightforward way with like either a constitutional amendment in the across the country an absolute you can say the amendment could be like an unborn child has a right to life and boom done or you could say there's a law that just bans abortions, um, you know. But in this case, a lot of lo- local states across have come up with these kind of trap laws. This has kind of been more prevalent after the 1991 Supreme Court case of Casey versus Planned Parenthood, where the state Supreme Court said, you know, states can can kind of push the needle a little bit on how they can uh, on how much restrictions they can put on clinics and whatnot. So. Um, this is another chapter, another note in this where um, the trap, lo- the the current clinics couldn't meet the the trap laws of you know finding a, a provider uh, nearby in case of an emergency. So they got a variance because they said, hey, we have four doctors that that could help us out in a pinch. But even though 
it's been said that the this that requirement's not really it's arbitrary kind of almost like that's really not <laughs> it's it's um they're trying to ban abortion without banning abortion that is that is what's happening here and it's almost uh i i i almost branded as kind of a jim crow style approach to uh, uh to voter to voting uh, to abortion as it was as jim crow was to voting people you know having access to voting rights it's just kind of an yeah people might have a right but there's a lot, a lot of hoops and a lot of workarounds to prevent you from voting so it's kind of similar similar stance on here i just personally for me i don't i i, I don't like again it's just the thing i hate about politics no no, no one's straightforward about about it it's just underhand 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 and then it could create a lot of un unforeseen consequences down the road. <laughs> well, if you ban something, at least offer alternatives. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're banning abortion, if you're banning anything else, sit there and say, okay, we did this, but here's alternatives for people. Right now, it's just a political issue. Where if it's banned today, if it's banned five years from now, we got nothing to offer people. It's just banned. You know, And, and that's awful. I mean, you, you don't treat other people like that. And, and that's where politics falls short. Just yeah. want to end in there. Uh, a couple of things, food assistance. Uh, you know, actually, I think this is good. They removed uh, some of these asset tests where they're like, hey, how much you make and everything. I don't know, Brandon, maybe I'm living in a dream world. But for some of this stuff like food assistance and other supplemental help, I, I remember when COVID first started. I mean, thankfully, I didn't lose my job over COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, we had to take a couple of furloughs, our, our pay got docked, like probably a lot of our people in the country. So we kind of looked at each other and we went through some food lines and we're like, boy, should we, are we taking money, things away from other people? We were in need and, you know, we were helped. And I, you know, let's get back to the area where as churches, we're doing more to help with food banks. Um, I feel fortunate, a uh, church that my family's been attending recently, they do a lot of food banks in the area. And they're continuing food banks even after COVID and everything. we got to get to the place where we just help each other. Instead of saying, oh, dang, are you making too much or not? Just saying, hey, we help each other. As human beings, hey, if, if you're less Wexler, you're not going for a food line. You say, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, I know some people take advantage of the system, but let's just help more people and not worry about the, the small percentage of people are going to take advantage. So, just my take on that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, I mostly agree with you on everything, Chris. <laughs> um, you know, some of this other stuff, and man, uh, great in-depth article from the dispatch. Uh, we're not going to go uh, over everything. We already talked about college athletes, electronic bingo. Look, if you offer it, you offer it. Um, I don't know. Just as the law calls for you know, offer education for people who have a problem with gambling. I, I guess is the best way to do that. Um, you know, I guess the ones that Brandon stick out a little bit more for me, um, state funded childcare. I, I mean, yeah, the state can't pay for everything, but you know, we read all these articles and Brandon, I, I like that picture you sent me of all the incentives that, what was it? Was it Kohl's that you sent me? Lowe's, Lowe's. Yeah, yeah, Lowe's. I mean, yeah, everyone's looking for employees. Um, I was um, at Family Reunion, Indiana, and one of our relatives is a Nashville police officer. And it was great. Uh, we sat and talked about what policing's like down there. He asked me about some of the stuff happening in Columbus. Uh, he, had, he had a lot of good insight. And I 
really respected where you came from all lot of stuff. Well, one of the things he told me is they, they don't have enough police officers. So, Brandon, if you want to be a police officer, go to Nashville, they'll hire you. Because they're in desperate need for people. Well, and, and we all sit here and say, why can't we get people back to work? Well, part of it is if you have a kid, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? The kids got to be watched somewhere, especially in the summer when there's no school. So, you know, let's get a little bit more uh, child care for these kids. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it should be through state funding services, but we've got to figure out a way of making this happen because if we don't, nobody's going to go back to work because they can't afford it. It's not like we're all sitting at home, you know, playing video games and smoking pot. I mean, if you can't afford to have your kid go to childcare, it doesn't make sense for you to go to work. I mean, it's as simple as that. And the other thing, broadband access, I like the fact they put that broadband money back in the account. Again, we're not paying for people to stay home and play Twitch. We're paying for companies to lay internet cable to rural areas that may not typically get that service. Um, I worked for a while with a uh, company, a nonprofit that were encouraging internet people. I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, you know, your, your internet providers aren't willing to do that for nothing. It costs a lot of money to run cable from Columbus to Athens or whatever the case might be. Um, so we need some help with that. So, again, I'm not into the, hey, government should pay for everything, but we wonder why there's issues, and we say, hey, it's not profitable for companies to make their own broadband services. You know, you ha they have to have help if you want services in external areas. Same thing for workers. You know, they're not being lazy if, like, there was one time where my wife was trying to go back to work, and she said, look, all the money I would make at this job would go directly to childcare. And we're like, okay, you shouldn't work then. Well, you've got to make it make sense for people to go back to work. So that's how I feel about that stuff. Yeah. Um, good I think those are good, some good points all around about childcare. Um, gee, I wish we had $1.64 billion to kind of, you know, go and fund, <laughs> um, you know, some, some, some uh, decent, not necessarily high quality or, where we're teaching them French, but, you know, some decent uh, standard of child care for, so everyone can go to work or, and, uh, you know, with broadband, you know, it's, uh, or, you know, and um, I think broadband in rural areas will actually boost rural tourism a little bit. And um, yeah. um, I remember my wife and I went up to uh, Carroll, Ohio, and, you know, the, the inn we were at was having some, you know, internet issues and it might have might have been as bad if, uh, I don't know what server, not necessarily like who the provider was in that sense, but I guess whoever was messing with their router it might have been a guest or something. But, um, yeah, it would definitely, broadband internet um, access to those parts would actually probably boost rural tourism is my argument. But, yeah. um, um, you know, a lot of good points, but we got a lot to cover today, so um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Uh, lots of good content. Like we said, check out our sponsors and uh, check us out for free content today. Uh, have a great day. All right, back on the Ohioan with Brandon. Uh, you know, hey, we're taping this a couple of days after former President Trump came to Lorraine County area. Um, you know, Brandon, we've said this before. Um, I would 
hope that if President Trump's thinking about a run into 2024, you know, if you really want to consider him, you know, hey, I want to hear new stuff from him. I want to hear new ideas. I want to hear, hey, here's what we're going to do. Um, we've said it before. I mean, right now, if you want to appeal to Republicans, you throw out the red meat. You throw out, you know, culture wars. You throw out, you know, socialism claims, and you just roll with that. Um, I watched part of Trump's speech on Saturday, and it seemed to be a little bit more of that. And apparently, if you if you're a staunch enough supporter to uh, drive out to Lorraine County, sitting hours of waiting, um, I guess you're happy and everything. And you know. Uh, well, let me ask it this way, Brandon. I was stunned that, yeah, he went after Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez is a legislator that voted for his impeachment. You know, there was no talk of DeWine. There was no talk of anything. It just seems to be he knows his base. He plays to his base. That's it. And, you know, I know there's some people out there that say, hey, you know, he lost the election. They got stolen from him, whatever the case might be. But, you know, there's, there's no more evidence of that. It's just, you know, it, it's like going to see a 60s rock band that just plays their hits and goes away and there's nothing new. You know, that's what I got from us, uh, Saturday's Trump uh, speech. Well, didn't watch it, didn't care. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that, wow, I, I mean, network, not a lot of major, major networks covered it either. Um, not saying they have to or should have or whatever. It's just... Interesting that I don't know if, if um, um, you know, if if I am curious from his from his base perspective, if if uh, if they're if that same if they're experiencing that same fatigue, um, is it, you know, at some point, you know, the thing about movements, the thing about um, they 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 come and go, you know, they come in, um, in this wave of excitement and energy, and I I, I don't know if. That'll be Trump's test in 2024 is if he can replicate that same excitement that he did in in um, 2016. And is that energy still going to be there? Um, you know, and it's right now, I, you know, they have Governor DeSantis down in Florida right now who's making waves <laughs> as uh, and he might he might might uh, be more likely candidate at this point. Who knows? Thing, a lot can change until 2024. Um, of being the actual nominee for Republican Party at this point, um, so yeah, it, that those are some of the questions we might have from this rally. But um, I, you know, personally, I don't know what, if there's any benefit of always being in the conversation or always doing these rallies or kind of let people, you know, kind of come in and give people a chance to reflect, give them a give them a break, and then you come in and build up that trying to generate that excitement again. From a strategy standpoint, at least, right? Because you would think that if you have a chance of winning, if you're Trump, if you're DeSantis, Hackett, even if you're Jim Jordan, whoever the nominee might be for Republicans in 2024, you got to increase your base a little bit. And you know, sorry, a a nice summer night in um, what was it, June, in Lorraine County. I mean, that doesn't sound too appealing. I mean, heck, I, I watched 10 minutes of the speech as I was um, giving one of my kids a bath at a hotel in Indiana. And my wife's like, 
why are you listening to this crap? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just need some noise. You know, it's background noise pretty much. You know, I figured we we're going to talk about it on Tuesday and everything. But you've got to rejuvenate, like you said, you got to rejuvenate the base. And Saturday night isn't the time to rejuvenate a base. I mean, we're all doing other stuff, you know? It's it just kind of, it's kind of weird. And, you know, like you said, people aren't listening. People aren't following. I don't know what to make of it, Brandon. It, it, it just, it's the same old tired stuff, to be honest with you. I, and again, as someone who has voted for Republicans in the past, you know, if you're, you're trying to reach out to those people, try to find a way of appealing to them. And, you know, don't just throw out the red meat. Come, come with something different. Come with something, you know, do a new proposal. And you might say, well, I did that, but the election got stolen from me. Well, come come to me with something new to appeal. And I, I think, Brandon, the only thing they're going to do is I think they're hoping and praying that the country isn't, super doing super well in the next four years and they'll, they'll blame Biden and say, Hey, if you're sick of the country, come vote for us. And so again, it's not a, Hey, vote for us. We're the choice of a new generation. Vote for us. We've got this great new health plan or tax plan or anything. It's just, Hey, if you're ticked off with the country, vote for me, you know? And, and that's frustrating. It's frustrating for the future of democracy. Yeah. Um, Kind it's the um, um, you know sometimes the, it's the path of taking the easy route to um, appeal to a voter base, but um, yeah, nothing else to really add to that. I think um, we'll see. Time will tell, kind of deal. And you know, some people could say, "Well, isn't that what Joe Biden did?" Well, Joe Biden did that because there was so much, you know, confusion and some discussion of. What type of messaging is coming from the White House? Hey, Joe Biden was smart. Hey, that's how I would have ran if I ran against Donald Trump. Said, hey, are you happy with this? Obviously, people weren't, and that's why Biden's in the White House right now. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, I'm with you. I, I got fatigued talking about it. I think in a show that talks about how high politics we've got to talk about it. But the reason why we're giving this seven minutes instead of the 20 we gave other stuff, because I'm not sure what positive impact it's having. And again, I'm open to voting for some of these people. I just need something fresh that appeals to me. I'm not getting any of that anytime recently. So, all right. Well, again, thanks for checking out to Highland. We got a lot of free content out there. Support our sponsors, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll be back shortly with a final segment. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Back on the Highland with Brandon. Uh, Brand later this week, we'll talk more Columbus Crew. I, I did a story that talked about how much it costs to go to Columbus Crew games, and we compared it with others. And yeah, I mean, hey, if you buy a jersey, it could be a hundred bucks, like a, a nice replica jersey. And hey, you know, if they're being sold, great. You know, that's what people are paying for stuff like that. But then we look at the collectibles market, and uh, these aren't just replica jerseys; these are jerseys that famous athletes wore. And, Brandon, I'm a sports fan. I enjoy watching sports. I'm a big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and everything. Lots of good stuff going on. But maybe it's because I'm perpetually cheap. Maybe it's because I don't want to spend money on this stuff. I see a story over the weekend that Johnny Bench, obviously a iconic catcher for the Cincinnati Reds, someone paid, what was it? What was it 116000 
for a Johnny Bench jersey. It was a 1970 game-worn home jersey. And, hey, I guess the value stuff depends on what you want to pay for it. So if you're if you've got the money and you're willing to pay that much money, I guess it's worth that. But Brandon, I don't understand why people continue to do this stuff. Is a jersey like that worth that much? Um, I suppose. Um, I don't know anything about baseball or Johnny Bench or what makes it special. Don't know if it he might have been the worst player ever, but um, you know, sports has kind of got that weird weird um, um, vibe with people. In terms of you know sentimental value, I suppose, and so whatever whatever um, some people are willing to kind of chunk out that money if they have it. Well, and really, look what it is. Okay, it is a jersey that was on Johnny Bench's body once, or I, I don't know how many times he wore it. Is that worth that much to you? And, and let's look at our wheelhouse. I mean, we're not Cincinnati Reds fans. We're not baseball fans. But, hey, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like Big Ben Roethlisberger, our quarterback. Brandon, I like him as a player. I wouldn't pay more than 100 or 200 bucks for his jersey. I mean, even a jersey that he wore. I mean, that doesn't mean that much for me. I mean, look at your Columbus crew people. Uh, you know, how much would you pay if a crew guy whipped off his jersey and threw it in the crowd? And, you know, maybe whoever caught it said, hey, you want this? How much would you pay for it? I I mean, to me, I could be a big fan of a team without paying monster prices for memorabilia from those guys, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I say, I think it's more of an experience kind of thing. Uh, you know, there's, but um, as I say, I don't, I don't really have any. I, I, you know, um, there are, the crew is funny, funny because they do some special kits for special occasions. Um, uh, they did a Juneteenth uh, themed uh, kit for their final match at the Historic Crew Stadium. But even then, I'm just like, well, that might be a very unique jersey to have. Um, um, I just don't necessarily see see the need to chunk out six figures for it. But um, maybe someone will. You know, it's, it's we're all different and have different priorities. There is some news that's breaking soon with um, not this podcast, but another podcast to do. Uh, we are close to making an announcement um, our Steelers podcast. Uh, you're going to see it on a bigger network soon. And we had a meeting with the guys um, that we're going to partner up with. And it was funny. They were all wearing Steelers jerseys and Steelers clothes. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm a fan, but I don't need to be lured with Steelers stuff. I don't know. I mean, I guess everyone plays it differently. But I'm with you. I'm in the experience. I mean, you know, I saw over the weekend you were checking out the new Crew Stadium. I know you get, like, trinkets for being a Crew season ticket holder, which is great. But to me, for me, the experience means more. I mean, hey, if I had 1000 bucks that I was going to spend on Steelers stuff, I'd rather get a Steelers ticket or – to watch the Steelers play and then just say, hey, here's this jersey or here's a goalpost from the stadium. I mean, to me, that means more to me. But, again, everyone's a little bit different. Well, and it's, it's a kind of more of a historic item. You know, people might find find fast, something fascinating that they found a piece of history from years and years ago and that it's kind of survived all this time kind of deal. So I understand, I get that vibe. You know, it's, a, it's a more of a... Um, it's, it's like, you know, you're buying a piece of history, literally, in that sense. Well, and I get discussions with my family, and, and not to bring this to morbid state, 
But, you know, my dad, my dad passed about five years ago. He had some stuff. And, and obviously, you know, my dad's clothes aren't worth 116000 whatever. But, you know, even for somebody like my dad, who has a personal connection with me, not just saying, oh, I like watching this guy play. I mean, to me, I want more of his picture or, like, his voice. I mean, we have some tapes of him talking. That means a whole heck of a lot more to me than... I, I mean, I've got a bad from him when he was with the police department. And, yeah, that's nice to have. But to me, I like the experience more than just saying, hey, here's this memorabilia from his life. But, again, we're all different, you know? But, I don't know, dude. 116,000 for Johnny Bench jerseys seems to be too much, in my opinion, so... Yeah, um, we're. I think there's a little shifting tide in terms of what we hold valuable, but um, um, and um, you know, I, I still like the idea of you know collecting a little history. I, maybe that jersey would be better in a museum or, or something for everyone to enjoy. But you know, hey, um, hope forever bought it for that much money. I hope they enjoy it and have it nicely framed or whatnot. Um, hopefully not put in their uh, uh, drawer, just their uh, like a regular night drawer or something. But um, it's like a night shirt there. Yeah, it's a night shirt. They watch it. They watch it. They they sit there and watch uh, uh, old old games or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah. I, I I wonder who bought it. You know, maybe they, you know. Hey, if if you're paying one hundred sixteen thousand for Jersey, yeah, you're. You, it's not like you and me who that could be our last hundred sixteen thousand. You probably have a lot of money. You probably are living in the Murfield area, and you're <laughs> you've got a lot of money you can blow on different stuff. So uh, I'm jealous. Maybe it's jealousy, man. Maybe I want to have that lifestyle where I can spend 116 thousand on jersey and and still be okay. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Well, again, thanks for checking out the Ohio. And hey, you know, we got some short segments like this. Um, you know, again, we appreciate everyone who makes this a show. You know, from Brandon, um, Craig's, Craig wasn't feeling well today. So, uh, he's off, but, um, you know, thanks to Paul and Joe and uh, all of our contributors that make this make this network roll. So keep um, tuned in. We've got some good announcements coming up, and definitely check out our sponsors and uh, keep sharing this with your friends. Uh, thanks for checking out the Highland. You all have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.